0: Welcome to Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. In this show, we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing. And I am your host, Ramakrishna. Let's begin the show. Today's our guest is Andrew Seeker from Anchored Investment Partners. Welcome, Andrew.
1: Yeah, thank you, Rama. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you. Little bit about Andrew. Andrew is founder of Anchored Investment Partners, a real estate syndication based in Washington State. He has 9 years experience as a commercial loan originator and has closed $6.3 million in real estate properties in the U.S. He is currently working on his real estate license to better educate himself on the intricacies of real estate and to better serve future investors partners. So with, with that, Andrew, would you like to add anything to your background?
1: Yes, I was uh, formerly part of the uh, CCIM organization. CCIM, if you're not familiar with them, stands for Certified Commercial Investment Members. It's a uh, very high-level organization, professional organization. It's mainly geared for real estate brokers, commercial real estate brokers. However, there are people from title companies, loan originators, loan companies, a few real estate attorneys, and other uh, real estate-related professionals also also part of this organization, and uh, yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up. Over the past couple of years, I have not been a part of it uh, mainly because of COVID, and uh, just kind of take a wait and see approach here. As I'll explain shortly.
0: Got it. Thank you. So, would you share your thought process of getting into commercial real estate space?
1: Yes, sure. Okay. So it started basically way back around 2002. I was uh, an English teacher in South Korea and my roommate at the time had introduced me to a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So like many other investors out there, I read the book and, uh, you know, it, it I caught fire. I just got the passion and the desire. However, I was overseas, so I couldn't quite do anything until I came back to the United States in 2012. At that time, I had good credit and I had a lot of knowledge, but I didn't have much money. So I thought I kept thinking to myself, how am I going to get into multifamily investing or, you know, commercial real estate in general as well. And I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll get into commercial lending. And that way I can provide loans, I can learn how to do due diligence, you know, learn how to to calculate pro formas. Plus I get to meet all the investors out there, look and see about all, you know, all their projects and what's going on. And I thought, you know, this is pretty cool because that way I can get educated while I'm also providing value for the investors.
0: Got it. And would you share any challenging experiences in your real estate journey so far? And how did you overcome them?
1: Oh, okay, yes. Some of the challenges were, you know, dealing when I'll start with a commercial Loan origination. A lot of investors would send me their deals by email, of course, and it was a real struggle, a challenge because a lot of them would just kind of toss deals out my way, and I would have to end up doing due diligence myself and a lot of investigation on the property. There were a lot of uh, creative investors. There was one lady who tried to who owned a house that she was using as an office in her LLC, and she wanted to sell the house to herself out of her LLC see And of course the lender said, no, you can't do that. There were a lot of other deals that I've seen, you know, especially with hotel properties, investors would send them my way and uh, they didn't do very much due diligence on them. And a lot of people were trying to look for hundred percent financing at the time, which, you know, that hundred percent financing, as I learned very quickly, doesn't exist. It just doesn't. Everybody, as far as I know, has to have skin in the game. So the challenge is how do you get around that? If you don't have any money, what, do you do? So most obvious answer is is uh, to find a partner, a cash or equity partner that can help you out. When it came to investing itself uh, in multifamily, I had this anxiety of asking for money and using other people's money. So I overcame this by getting involved in financing real estate, as I just mentioned, uh, so I could get a better idea of how to go about financing properties. Uh, when COVID hit, I took a wait and see approach. I was a little afraid because with the rents moratoriums and people not being able to not being forced to pay their rent. I thought, well, you know, that might be a little scary because I may end up buying a property and being stuck with it with or stuck with tenants that can't pay their rent. And then I'm going to be losing money because I don't think the lenders or the banks would forgive me my payments or allow me to stop making payments on the property too. So, so therefore I, I took a back seat for a little while, but I'm ready to get back into active investing.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Sure. And you mentioned you worked as a loan originator. So would you share more about your responsibilities and what do you look in the application? You know, what kind of due diligence you would perform from your side?
1: Sure. Good question. Yeah. So the way the process would work is I would go on LinkedIn and, you know, basically make posts, put up some posts that I was doing commercial loan origination. And I would, if a lender or a bank or, you know, private equity or whoever came up with a good program, you know, good rates, you know, high, fairly high LTV and whatnot, and, uh, you know, so forth, then I would post it on there. I'd give a little blurb, you know, say for example, you can get you know four four and a half percent financing. You know, eight million dollars minimum. You know, this is a FHA type loan for new construction on multifamily or whatever the case might be. You know, no credit score driven or whatever, and so on and so forth. I would post that up there, and then the, the investors or people would start replying to me by email, and I would ask them for them to send me their packet their investment packet on the property so they would email it to me and then I would take a look at it and my responsibility was I would take a look at the packet and see all the numbers and what we were looking at you know debt service coverage ratio and what was the cap rate where was the location how much was it you know how much uh, was the asking price, praise value, all that, all that information. And then what I would do is I would go through my database and try to find a suitable lender. There were, you know, lenders that would just lend in a certain area. And so I had to look for a specific... You know, program that would fit, you know, that particular location. I would talk to banks, other, you know, direct loan companies and, and so forth to try to find financing for that particular property. Then, so I would do the due diligence on the property. One of the things that I had to look for and ask for was the current rents so that we could calculate whether it would service the debt on the loan if, if a loan was provided. A lot of investors would try to send me pro formas and they'd say, well, you know, We think we can raise the rent an extra $100 on, on these, say, 20 units. And that way, our cap rate and everything would go up. Uh, the value would go up. And, and I had to respond. And what I learned, what the lenders told me is that they don't use pro formas. They only use current value. Because according to the lenders uh, and investors private money investors is that you know you don't know if you can get that extra you know that extra rent you may uh if you raise it up too high too fast you may scare tenants out of the building and then you may be sitting on an empty you know empty units or have empty units and then you can't service the debt so that was one of the key lessons that I would tell to all investors out there listening to this that are interested in financing you know you got to make sure you use current numbers everything has to be current current experience expenses. Also be aware that a lot of units, especially the smaller units, may be managed by the, the owner-seller. So it'd be a seller-managed property, owner-managed property. And you'll have to probably factor in, you know, if it's out of state or out of, out of town, I would strongly suggest getting property management on that property because it's very difficult to manage a property long distance. So you'll want to be sure to find a good property manager. And then you're going to have, of course, added expenses, probably somewhere between 6 and 10% uh, for a property management fee monthly. So you have to kind of add that into your expenses and make sure that your expenses don't uh, eat up your, eat it too much into your cash flow, so that you can service the debt. And then basically after that, you know, if the package fit, you know, then I would ship it to the lender and then we just go from there. And then we would, they, they're often, officers would also do due diligence in the underwriting. I was kind of doing more or less processing in a tad bit of underwriting before I would send the package out to the lender.
0: Got it. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, would you like to add any like best practices?
1: Best practices. Yeah, sure. That's a good question. One thing I would say for me is that, you know, from my perspective, from my experiences, keep reading books. There's tons of books out there on real estate. You know, you can find a mentor like Michael Blanc or some of these other people, Grant Cardone, that also offer help and advice on, on real estate training. But it's also very good to have a partner. And what I would do is I just go out to all the business meetings, the real estate meetings, and try to find people, even chamber of commerce meetings. Uh, You can meet people there, investors and people with some money that you can partner up with. Uh, Another one of my best practices is one thing that I've learned from the loan origination experience is to have a team. You real estate investing, like Robert Kiyosaki says in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, his uh books, they're his series is that investing is a team sport. And I truly, truly, truly believe that. I know it's such a cliche, but it's so true because I can tell you from my own experience, you know, eight, nine years as a commercial loan originator. I was independent. I didn't have anybody, no employees, no partners, nothing. I did it all on my own and I really struggled. A friend of mine who is a loan originator, he works for a developer. He has raised $250 million for his employer over the last six years. And he told me that, you know, uh, he said, if you're going to do commercial loan origination, you've got to work for a bank or or Marcus Milichak or some institutional lender, because going going the road, alone is you're just bound for failure because you're competing with all the big institutions who have all the big Kahuna clients and you're never going to get their attention if you're a small fish in the in this big ocean so i took his advice and he also told me to get a real estate license because that way i would be able to talk to buyers and sellers more so that's currently what i'm working on as well i after hemming and hawing i just decided you know i think having a real estate license i think is a good thing i mean it certainly can't help or i'm sorry it
0: certainly can't hurt right? Right. Yes. Thanks for sharing that. And so you're going for a license. Would, Would you share thought process behind what exactly you're planning to achieve with that?
1: Oh, sure. Okay. So I'm, I'm working on my Washington real estate license so I can become a real estate agent. And my plan, my hope right now is to maybe hang my license with Keller Williams here in town. And I know that they have a pretty good training program. It'll be a lot of cold calling, dialing for dollars, so to speak. And I like Robert Kiyosaki, when he had his first job with Xerox, he had to go door to door and do sales. And I'm thinking, well, I'll probably end up following in his footsteps as well. Uh, learned how to sell. So I'll be calling people on on the list and just seeing if they want to sell or if they want to buy. And, and I'm thinking my plan is to just, Stay in contact with these people because who knows, you know, even if they're not ready to buy or sell right now, six months down the road, things might change. I'm also reading a lot about people, as you know, I'm sure it's like this all over the country, but I know in Portland, Oregon here, not too far from where I live, there's a lot of homeless population Is growing rapidly which only means that a lot of people are losing their homes and everything so i see that the market right now there are more home there are more buyers than there are sellers definitely a seller's market but i think i'm seeing that i think we'll see a change in that here over the summer possibly later some later this summer early fall so i'm kind of hoping if my intuition is right i'm hoping to put myself in a good position so that when these events do take place may, maybe a lot of foreclosures or or, uh, well, God forbid, I mean, I hate any, I'd hate for anybody to lose their home, but, you know, I, I just see that the market turning around and, you know, I'm pretty sure it'll be a buyer's market here pretty soon based on what we're seeing. So I'm trying to position,
0: position myself for that as well. Cool. and Thank you. And so what markets you're focusing and what is the reason?
1: Okay, yeah. One of the markets that I'm really interested in right now is Anchorage, Alaska of all places. I have to confess, I have a real love for Alaska, the state of Alaska. I've, I went up there for the first time around 1994. I was an employee for Horizon Air. And uh, on my days off, I would jump seed and take a take a flight, up fly all over Alaska. And I looked at Anchorage. I've been up to Anchorage quite a bit here over the last four or five years. I usually go up there once or twice a year and uh, just kind of look around and kind of like a working vacation, so to speak, and just kind of look around. So I've gotten to know a lot of the people there at the Chamber of Commerce and a a few of the investors up there and uh, several realtors. And um, I like the market right now. Their housing, their single family market is very similar to the lower 48. Their average home, single family home is running in the 360, 370,000 range. And the days on market are you know, very, it's very short. I would say like... Two weeks, something like that, and like like here in Washington, in my hometown, people are offering you know, 10, 20, 30, dollars over the asking price, even up there. However, with this with investment properties, I've noticed that there's quite a number of, you know, uh four plexes, six, eight units up there between, you know, 350 and a million dollars, 350 to a thousand or a million dollars. So I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty cool. So the cap rates are, you know, six to eight percent, which is fairly reasonable. And I've been talking to the realtors and some of the people up there that I know and saying, how are rents? You know, are people paying their rents or do you have a lot of problems with uh, evictions and all that? And they're like, no, you know, some of the properties do have tenants that aren't paying rents, but most of them are. And I guess it's just a matter of, you know, screening your tenants, finding the right tenant. So if you're, if you do a good thorough job on screening applicants for your units, uh, you shouldn't have any problems. I'm finding it, I'm hearing the same A lot of the same down here in the lower 48 as well.
0: Got it. Yeah. Thank you. So would you share any of your best real estate experience so far?
1: Best real estate? Yeah. So around three years ago, a CCIM broker presented a client of his to me who who was an accredited investor. Uh, However, we had a problem. This man was a Chinese citizen. He was, a, he was a Chinese guy and he lived over in China and he had a big manufacturing company. And I know his salary was around 750000 a year, US dollars. And yeah, he had a couple of, he had two multifamily properties here in Portland, Oregon, in the area. One was a 15 unit. The other one was a 20 unit. Both of them had appraised for over $3 million. So he had about $6 million dollars in equity. And he owned both properties free and clear. And he wanted to pull out 2.2 million in cash so that he could buy a burger franchise. Well, uh, the thing is, he didn't have a green card. He had no social security number. So I had to do a little bit of scrambling and calling around. But I did find a loan officer for a very small bank over in La- Lake Oswego, uh, kind of like a sub. Uh, it's not too far from Portland. And this guy had like 25, 30 years of experience in lending. And so I took the deal to him and we were able to close it. We closed this deal. We got this guy his 2.2 million, but it took us about six months. And the reason why it took so long was because of the bank secrecy act. So they had to do a lot of due diligence on this guy. And there was a lot of FedExing back and forth with documents to and from China, from Portland. So that was kind of a little bit of a hang up. But the thing, is it was awesome because we got the loan closed and everybody was really happy. So so that was probably the yeah, that was probably the best uh best experience I've had with uh multifamily investing and financing.
0: Got it. Thank you. And would you also share any of your worst or challenging experience in real estate so far?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll here's another hard lesson learned. Um there was about 4 years ago a lady in Portland had called me or actually was referred to me by another loan broker and she had two single family investment properties in the Portland Oregon area. They both appraised at about 750,000 for one and the other one was 800,000. So she had about a 1.55 million in equity or at least in, in value in the properties and she wanted to get a loan for 1.1 million. So I called around, I actually found her a lender, I got her connected we got all the paperwork done. And then she, you know, she, we closed on it. Mm-hmm. But during the, during the uh, underwriting process, I tried to set up my success fee with a lender, but the lender said, or no, I'm sorry. Let me, let me backtrack there. I called this, I ended up calling the state of Oregon, the, the li- department of licensing and kind of explained my situation to them. I said, you know, I'm a loan officer. I'm up here in Washington state. I've got this uh, lady, this client that's uh, trying to finance two properties. And I'm wondering about how I can secure my success fee. And the person said, Nope, you can't do that. You have to be a licensed loan originator in the state of Oregon before you can collect any money. And I said, Well, the thing is, this is these two properties are investment properties. And he said, Nope, it doesn't matter. He said any single family, whether, you know, one to four units, whether it's uh, owner occupied, whether it's a second home, whether it's an investment property, anything, you know, between, between one and four units in the state of oregon you have to have a loan originator license in order to put any type of fa- financing on it and or to get compensated so i lost you know i usually i was charging one percent back then so i lost ten thousand dollars uh success fee on that one which is a bummer
0: got it um so what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now andrew
1: yeah, sure. Well, for one thing, I'm as I previously mentioned and hinted to, I'm focused on getting back into the multifamily investing game. And I, I am active. I am looking at several properties up in Anchorage right now. I am looking at a 14 unit up there and uh, it does need a new roof and it has some uh, renovation work that needs to be done on it to bring it up to speed. The price is fairly, is reasonable. The seller, I guess, is trying to unload all of her, her investment properties properties up there because she wants to retire. Uh, She's pretty set on the price of this unit, though, this property, because I guess she's cash flowing it really nicely and making some good money off of it. But for... An investor like myself coming into it, I would have to raise the rent up about $50 a month on all the tenants. And uh, let's see here. And then, yeah, it, there's just a lot of moving parts to it right now. So I'm I'm still in the very early stages of due diligence. From, from the 10,000 foot view, it looks like it might be feasible, but I have this gut feeling that as I dig deeper into it, I might find that it's probably not worth the pursuit. Uh, so I may let this one go. But the good news is that there are other properties up there There's several four plexes, a six plex, and an eight plex that I'm looking at up there as well, that I think could also pencil in.
0: Got it. And so, any one advice that impacted you, Andrew?
1: Yeah, I would say, once again, have a team of, of professionals on your side. I would not personally, I will not go. The uh, go into multifamily investing alone, uh, you need to have people partner, hope preferably a, uh, an experienced partner or somebody with some cash. It's always good to hang out with other investors such as yourself and myself and other people. And um, there's plenty, tons of videos on YouTube, a lot of podcasts to listen to where you can get good training and uh, make connections with people.
0: Got it. And any one book that impacted your life and what way?
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) Speaking of books, yeah, I love to read. Uh, Last year, I read 60 books. This year, I'm on target. Well, my my goal is to read 100 books this year, but there are so many good books out there. I honestly don't even know where to start. Uh, For me personally, the Bible, I think God's Word is awesome. If you're not into that, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is obviously a great book. Um, There's a book by Oren Claff called Flip the Script. That is very good. One book I read towards the end of last year was was The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. That's an awesome book. It kind of tells you, kind of helps you develop a mindset of how to deal with what you don't know. And, you know, what if these, sudden issues come up. How are you going to deal with it? And he tries to help you. As I was reading the book, I was really impressed because he was talking about how you could start to ask these questions before these events happen and basically come up with a plan B. So that's um, that's another good book. Again, that one was uh, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. Uh, for those of you who might want to get into negotiating and learning how to negotiate for properties, I would recommend Negotiation Genie genius, excuse me, by Deepak Malhotra and Max Bazerman. These are both, uh, this is put out by Harvard Press. So it's a Harvard uh, business school there, but that's a really, really excellent book. Closer Survival Guide by Grant Cardone is also good. There's, um, it's basically a book on script, phone scripts, what to say to people. And, you know, he'll give you an example. And then on the next page, you write your script, you write it out and uh, it'll help you. It definitely helped me talk to people. And uh, let's see here. Yeah, there's just a whole bunch of them. For if you're an academic uh, or you like academia, I would recommend Investment, Risk, and Investment by Dr. Peter Linneman. That's a really good book, but it's a, it's a textbook. And it's something like 250 bucks on Amazon if you want to get a new copy. But it's, it's very loaded, very good stuff.
0: Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. How are you giving back to community?
1: Currently, I'm working with homeless, a group from our church that goes out and helps the homeless people. Uh, we try to minister to them and, and provide them with snacks and food and, you know, some reading material. And, you know, we pray for them. And, and uh, yeah we just try to do our best to encourage them to change their lifestyle and hopefully gain back confidence and get back into life off the
0: street. Thank you. Awesome. So how can listeners can connect with you?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's see here. My email is andrew at anchoredinvestmentpartners.com. Again, that's andrew at anchored. There's a e d a n c h. O R E D investment partners and partners is plural. So there's an S on the end.com. I'm currently in the process of putting up a website. So I don't have a URL soon, but it will be uh, anchored investment And if you'd like to, you can also feel free to reach out to me. My cell phone number is, 360-560-8873. And I would welcome anybody that wants to talk about, you know, multifamily investing and financing and well, even commercial real estate in general. So again, that number is 360-560-8873.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Ram. I appreciate you inviting me as well. Thank you so much.
0: If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening, Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.